0: the galaxy divided. Striking swiftly after the Battle of Geonosis, Count Dooku's droid army has seized control of the major hyperspace lanes, separating the Republic from the majority of its clone army. While the Jedi are occupied fighting a war, no one is left to keep the peace. Chaos and crime spread, and the innocent become victims in a lawless galaxy. Welcome to Now Playing's Star Wars Retrospective Series. Welcome to paradise, Rock Jumpers, Hosted by Arnie. I thought you were the one with the plan. No, I'm the one with enthusiasm. Stuart. You're stuck with me, Sky Guy. And Jacob. You're a legend throughout the inner core. Come to nowplayingpodcast.com each week as they review another Star Wars film. Leading up to the new film, Episode 7, The Force Awakens. If you want an experience, little one, it looks like you're about to get plenty. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers. Master, you know you're walking us into a trap. I know. Listener discretion is advised. So, this is where the fun begins. Race to the top. I'll give you a head start.
1: Today we're discussing. Star Wars: The Clone Wars, starring Matt Lanter, Ashley Eckstein, James Arnold Taylor, Tom Kane, d Bradley Baker, Christopher Lee, Samuel L. Jackson, Anthony Daniels, directed by Dave Filoni. Welcome to Paradise Rock Jumpers. This is Arnie host of Now playing Stewart in
2: L.A. And this is your spunky tween co-host Jacob. Come on, Arnui. Come on, Stu dude. Let's review this film. <laughs>
3: oh, you know what? You can throw up all the hate you wanted this movie. I can think of 100 reasons why this is my favorite Star Wars movie in the entire franchise.
2: <laughs> your favorite.
3: Yes because I made a hundred dollars <laughs> on this movie because of a certain gentleman oh. that we both know that made a wager with me that it would at least make a hundred million at the
1: box office and potentially 300 million. okay. Now, I'll tell you my history, and then I'll share some things that could probably get me in trouble. I have some inside information that I shouldn't know, and I really shouldn't share. But since I heard this information, Lucasfilm was bought out by Disney. There's been some turnover, so let's hope I have immunity and I don't have to pull the whole show.
3: Okay, well, you know, let's get in a little hot water. It'll give Stan something (laughs) to listen to here. They certainly don't want to hear about this movie.
1: I won't cite my sources, so anyone who wants to naysay and not believe... All right, I'm going to protect my journalistic sources here. Never revealed this information, but I made that bet because this was a Star Wars theatrical film with all the hoopla that surrounds a Star Wars theatrical film, including a Midnight Toy release that I covered with Jacob for Star Wars Action News at San Diego Comic-Con in 2008. That video is still up on YouTube, and the video podcast is available at SWActionNews.com, and... I looked at the Star Wars Film franchise, and the lowest grossing of them were over two hundred million <laughs> like this is Star Wars. I mean, you can just keep telling yourself this had Star Wars on it, it had the Lucas machine behind it. I was convinced it would make a hundred million. Without a doubt.
3: You were like, no question. You were so confident. You literally wagered $100 that that was going to happen, which I was happy. It's really just payback because like a decade before I made the stupid wager that Burt Reynolds was going to beat Robin Williams for the Best Supporting Actor Oscar. And, I did uh, view
1: it as just parody. Like I was giving you back your 100 <laughs> that I had yes, interest on. For exactly. That, like, a <laughs> stupid bet for a stupid
2: bet. I remember going to the panel at Celebration 4 in Los Angeles for the Clone Wars, when before a movie was even announced, it's just there was going to be this TV show, and seeing the trailers they showed, the first footage... Like people were excited. Like it, I was excited. I, I figured this is okay. It's animated, it's cartoon, but it's still Star Wars. It's It's got to do well, right? I, I was shocked when there were six people in the theater opening night when I went to go see it. <laughs> but I, I don't know 100 million, but I, I would have been on Arnie's side. That it's Star Wars, it's still going to draw people in.
3: How much did it make? Um, my guess is, I think what I had it pegged for was opening at
1: 15 and topping out at about 30. It made about 70 worldwide, mm-hmm. 35 in North America. Yeah. It opened number two, Oof. third of that weekend behind Tropic Thunder and the holding on Dark Night.
3: No, good. And that makes me feel better about the world.
1: Now, all right, here's the inside scoop that I found out years later. mm
2: Yeah, give us the juice.
1: This show was being developed for Cartoon Network. Cartoon Network is a TNT station, thus owned by Warner Brothers. Ah. Lucasfilm was looking for a distribution center for this that would guarantee a certain number of episodes, ratings, never mind. With proper promotion, he talked to the various players, settled on Cartoon Network. (laughs) Well, The story goes that... One of the heads of Warner Brothers got him in a room and said, this is great. This is Star Wars. Let's take the first four episodes. Let's release it as a movie and we'll make a hundred (laughs) million. Where was
3: I? I could have told him how wrong he was.
1: (laughs) And honestly, their lowest expectation was 80 million domestic. Hmm. That was the low end of their range. That's if it flopped. Okay. Yeah. They thought no matter what, they'd already made the episodes. They were done. They were done using the television animation studio that Lucas built slash bought in Singapore, I believe. So that was done. It was just a matter of splicing them together and then reaching out to some of the stars from the movies to recite the dialogue that had already been read by the voice actors originally and hope they matched the lips. So that's how they <laughs> got Lee Jackson and Daniels. in. Well, D- Daniels was always there, but that's how they got Lee and Jackson in here.
3: They don't really have to match, match the expressions. These things have no emotion
1: whatsoever. Shouldn't be too hard. Because it was a last-minute decision, and I, it's on the record it's last minute. It's not on the record who made that decision. Eventually, Lucas made the ultimate decision, but my story is it was convinced. They did not have the plans and the time that they had in advance for all the other Star Wars movies. They had a 10-year marketing plan for the prequels. And for the Clone Wars, because it was a last-minute thing, they couldn't get Pepsi on board or Burger King. Taco Bell. Yeah, (laughs) all of those.
3: (laughs) I think they were done anyway. I mean, Colonel Sanders was not returning their phone call.
1: Well, Colonel Sanders is owned by PepsiCo. And, yeah, PepsiCo, Pepsi, and Doritos and those still do Star Wars. But Clone Wars did get the first ever Star Wars Happy Meal promotion. They were able to work that out. And there was... Not too much midnight openings, although Toys R Us did do it. It just didn't have the merchandising push behind it that they expected. They didn't have the time to promote it as expected. I want stinky. I actually,
3: <laughs> I have nothing Star Wars in my house, but if someone has a
2: stinky doll. They made a little three and three quarter scale stinky that came with Ahsoka.
1: <laughs> they made a plushie too. They, there was like a backpack buddy of Stinky, <laughs> and Marjorie had one. And it's like in a backpack, and it is the slug himself. I will take one of those. Thank you. Now that is a toy to cherish. So, yeah, I made a bad bet. Lucasfilm made a bad bet. <laughs> I'll say. And I'll tell you, I saw this in theaters before it opened. I didn't even... I didn't even spend money towards my own benefit. I did not pay for a ticket for this.
2: You're so... This is like Casey at the bat. You're so sure you're going to win. You didn't even have to put up your seven bucks.
1: (laughs) I was invited to a press-only screening a week before this movie came out. All reviews were embargoed until release day. They knew. But I went up to Chicago for a packed press screening of the Clone Wars and Marjorie went with me and we were giddy Star Wars in theaters who cares if it's animated Star Wars is back we're gonna get to see the Clone Wars I'll tell you when but for a period we just looked at each other like oh my god (laughs) and then at a certain point it's like we had had too much and we broke and we were just laughing uproariously and getting (laughs) nasty looks from the journalists around us at the gales of laughter emitting from
3: us. (laughs) I love that. I love that moment. I love it when like, yeah, it's so hard when you're in a business meeting or something and you're not allowed to laugh and you're squelching it and squelching it. And you finally give yourself that permission of being like, yep, I'm going to get fired for this,
1: but I don't care. (laughs) This
3: shit is hilarious.
1: And then I called, I couldn't release my review. I couldn't. Plus, as host of Star Wars Action News, I was very concerned. We were a young podcast back then, just a few years. I was concerned about alienating the fan base with a negative (laughs) review, especially since I was launching a sister podcast for Public Forces Radio Network, where I was going to be reviewing this show every
2: week. Yeah, you could go and listen to that. There was a roundtable. I was on there. That's why I saw it opening weekend. I didn't hold back. I, I didn't have to launch Republic Forces Radio. I, I was pretty <laughs> negative during that.
3: Yeah, I, I having reviewed so many movies with you, Jacob, I can't see you tolerating this for a second. If this show didn't get measurably better from the second episode on, from this pilot, I just... Woo!
1: But yes, Inner Stewart! Yeah, that's when I contacted you, is I knew I couldn't be honest about this. (laughs) And I knew you couldn't not be honest about this. (laughs) I
3: had nothing to lose. I had no other Star Wars friends. No one was going to be mad at me other than your fan base, and that was fine with me.
1: Yeah, because I had absolutely, you know, it was low risk, and you had just done your first now playing with me just a couple weeks earlier for the midnight meat train. Mm -hmm. It was Marjorie's idea. Marjorie has this way of just getting people over here, putting a mic in front of their face and before they know it, eight years have passed. Mm. And so we did the midnight meat train. We had fun. I'm like, okay, the audience knows you. I paid for you. In addition to paying the hundred dollars, I paid for you (laughs) to go see this and review it. And this is in our archives.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's such a good review.
1: Thank
3: you. Thank you. It was uh, very rough. You know, I really just winged it. I had some notes, but I admit, I think I've admitted on an earlier show, I did fall asleep during that screening, but it was so bad that there was no way I was going to go back and watch the movie again to find out. I would have, of course, these days, I would have gone back to rewatch what I had missed. Now that I have done that, I honestly can't tell you, I think it must have only been about five minutes, you know, sometime during that city. Uh, I I think I, I nodded off for a little bit Doesn't change my review though I stand by every single thing that I said In that review
2: I gotta ask, did you do memories of this one like you've done with the other Star Wars films?
3: The funny thing is, even though this was the one that I'd seen most recently, I couldn't remember anything other than Anakin and Obi Wan like swinging lightsabers in a city with robots firing lasers at them, and Ahsoka holding that baby Jabba the Hut and <laughs> calling it stinky. And that is really it. I could not think of a single other thing that happened. <laughs>
1: And, oh, I remembered so much. How many times have you seen this? This was my second.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exact. Mine, too. Oh, wow.
1: How many times have you seen the Ewok movies? About twice. I'd watched them. I think it was my third time of each of those for this review. I've seen the holiday special somewhere in the teens. Mm -hmm. This is the movie of all the ones we've reviewed I've seen least.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, there's positive things here and and one that I think we can salute is no matter how Force Awakens turns out, I think that doing this before Force Awakens is going to make us be receptive to the best parts of that movie. I just think that we will be so happy that it's not this movie that we're watching next week. But let's get through it. Arnie, you saw it the most. You give the plot. I've seen it the same number of times you have. No, I fell asleep for some of it. (laughs) I've only seen it like one in three quarters.
1: I had to close my eyes because tears were rolling down my face for part of it. I think we're even.
2: <laughs> no one wants to lay claim to this film.
1: Mm-mm, I don't blame you. In the midst of the Clone War, Generals Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi are engaged in battle with the Separatist droids. But their biggest surprise comes not from the enemy, but the ally, as Ahsoka Tano, a Jedi youngling just turned Padawan...
2: She's a Padawan! Well,
1: she was a youngling the day before. Stop calling
2: her a youngling. I'm just mimicking the film.
1: ...arrives on the planet and informs the older Jedi she is to be Anakin Skywalker's new apprentice. Anakin reluctantly agrees to teach the girl after she grows on him during their first battle with the droids. But their first mission together is a challenging one. The Separatist leader Count Dooku and his Sith witch Asajj Ventress have kidnapped Jabba the Hutt's son, Rhoda. They have framed the Jedi for the young Hutt's kidnapping. Obi-Wan trails Asajj to find the location of Rhoda, while Obi-Wan and Ahsoka attempt to rescue the young slug. After numerous battles, the Jedi do succeed in rescuing the Hutt, but Dooku uses the recording as even more proof of Jedi duplicity. Fortunately, Padme Amidala, Anakin's secret wife, is on Coruscant and begins to attempt a diplomatic solution with Jabba's uncle Zero the Hutt... (laughs)
2: best part of the film (laughs) who
1: resides in the galactic capital but she uncovers that Zero was conspiring with Dooku to steal Jabba's son in order to take his influence and power
3: I can't believe I have to talk about this movie twice I don't want to. (laughs) And
1: yet you wouldn't do (laughs) Aliens vs. Predator twice. Oh, God, make it stop. I don't want to talk about this movie. (laughs) Now, with that information, Anakin and Ahsoka return Rota to Jabba, with Anakin facing Dooku in a lightsaber battle. And due to the rescue, Jabba allows the Republic (coughs) use of his space lanes for war travel. And Darth Sidious consoles Count Dooku that this is but one battle in a long war. As credits roll.
3: <laughs> oh yes, the entire Clone War hinges on Stinky the Hutt. Man, what a great hook. Let's do the Clone Wars. We didn't see it in the movies. We can do it on TV. Great idea. I actually think this is a terrific idea to make as an animated series. But man, your first idea is to on Road the
2: Hut? Well, we'll get into that. But I agree with you. I remember in that panel, they're like, oh, we're going to tame their powers down. People said, like Arnie said, like Mace Windu and that original animated micro series. Like the Jedi are so overpowered. We're going to give them rules. And we're working with Lucas to like really flesh out how the Jedi use their powers. And like, everyone's like, Oh, this sounds amazing. And, and then this is what we got. This is their opening story. <laughs> I will say we talked so much about that Fox fanfare. We don't get it here. I forgot. It's Warner Brothers.
1: Yeah, something is immediately rotten in the state of Denmark when you start with the Bugs Bunny Company's logo. <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't have da 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 da. I thought maybe Fox like handed
3: it off. They're like, you take it.
1: Fox wanted this. It was a bidding war. Wow. Yeah. But yes. Warner Brothers before the Lucasfilm logo. We're going to have to get used to this because now we got the Disney logo first. We gotta be open to change, Jacob, as hard as it may be.
2: I just hope we see the Disney castle and the fireworks.
1: Well, also equally as jarring, no opening scroll. Perhaps believing the audience of this movie to be too (laughs) young to read. Yes. No opening Star Wars
2: theme. It's this weird...
1: Well, it is a Star Wars theme. It's just MIDI.
2: It's awful is what it is.
1: Yeah, it's it's poorly performed, but
3: it's like a, would you say, a jazz riff on the classic <laughs> John Williams
1: score? <laughs> it just sounds very computer-generated. And All right, let's just get this out there, okay? Please. This is cheap. <laughs> this is cheap. I mean, keep in mind, this came out in 2008. We were already... Like, on the verge of Toy Story 3, Nemo had been found, monsters were incorporated, and this is cheap. Yeah. This music is cheap, the animation is cheap, this is a television production that got no upgrades other than to a bigger screen.
2: Yeah, but the original animated series looked better than this, and that was old school. I mean, there's CGI elements even with cell animation now, but this, I don't understand the character design. Like, why do they look like marionettes? I feel like I'm watching, what was it, Thundercats? (laughs) Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds, that's it.
1: You wish you were watching Thundercats. I do. Lucas said he actually wanted a Thunderbirds-like homage design.
2: I feel like stuff happens and then Lucas is like, okay, how am I going to justify this decision?
1: Yes. I wanted you to think
3: that the droids were weak and silly. I wanted that. I wanted that. I wanted that. Well, you got it. Here it is. (laughs) And enjoy all of the benefits of making a bad cartoon. You're right. This is completely unacceptable. It reminds me of that 90s Saturday morning computer generated show. What was that thing called?
2: Reboot. Yes.
3: Reboot. Yes.
2: Yes. Re- I think reboot probably looked better than this. I don't even like the coloring. They like again, it looks like painted wood or something. It, it, it's so muddy looking.
1: Well, let's just understand that Lucas is a frugal man. In all of the making of Star Wars stuff, it's not like he ran the company and he decided, okay, money is no expense. He is not Hammond from Jurassic Park around here. He's always like, what will it cost? And he wanted to advance. Computer animation for television
2: (laughs) by making it look bad
1: He wanted to start a Lucasfilm animation studio and he wanted a series that would not cost a lot Be easily profitable and be able to turn this out and these were the first designs out of the gate from his new studio and Yes, it looks bad the spaceships look pretty good but the people and then the music the music is just done cheap you, they just won't get an orchestra they won't have instruments they've got kevin kiner who does create some good scores throughout the series and even in this movie a couple not too bad ones i love the jazz riff when we get to zero's place but he's not given the money to make even well-written music sound good
2: Is that why everyone looks anorexic, because they didn't want to spend the money to add pixels to their
1: waistline? (laughs) That was a stylistic choice. I mean, they're not going all Gennady Tartakovsky on us.
2: It's bad design.
1: But it was a huge controversy when this series came out, because people like me had been collecting three and three quarter inch Star Wars action figures for literally 30 years. The first ones came out in 78. This movie came out in 2008, and Hasbro would not release these characters in a realistic fashion. They were released as anorexic, animated, look like they carved from wood action figures.
2: And I stayed away from that line. I did not touch it. I didn't buy a single figure, I don't believe.
1: You know what? I don't think
3: this design is bad. I think the movement is bad. I think that when you look at them on the poster, I'm like, okay, this looks like it's an artistic rendering. Sometimes I see that at Comic-Con. Like you go, I remember a lady had a whole booth where she took... Stitch from Lilo and Stitch, the alien creature, and she painted him in all these different kinds of styles. Like, there was a Picasso stitch and a Monet stitch, and I'm like, wow, that's really crazy that he would spend time doing this. But... <laughs>
2: I don't know if that's a compliment
3: or not. No, no. I mean, it's not a compliment. I'm judging her severely in my mind, but I'm standing in front of her and smiling and nodding my head and going, oh, yes, of course you did this. But my point is...
1: (laughs) Yes, what is it?
3: (laughs) No, my point is, is that if people want to take popular characters and go artsy-fartsy and take them into new designs, that can be fun to look at, but... Yeah, the animation, the movement of these characters, the fights, the expressions on their faces, they talk to one another. Or lack thereof. Completely unacceptable for, definitely for a movie. I would say for a TV show, you're probably going to get canned.
2: No, uh, but what I heard Lucas say is that, hey, my directing of the actors is so wooden and stiff. How about my animation looks like that? (laughs)
3: You're right! It's actually a really good question. Is Anakin better here than he is in the live action movies? I don't know.
1: It bothers me that the characters do not resemble their on screen counterparts in almost any way. Anakin has an eye scar, Obi-Wan has a beard, but they don't dress like they do on screen. They've got, you know, some armor on, they wear the same clothes for two years because developing new character models is expensive, and they just don't have the right facial expressions. But I'll say the casting, is really well done. Matt Lanter, he's not really a voice actor per se. You might have seen him in Vampires Suck. Oh, wait, no one saw Vampires Suck.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, who saw that?
1: But he is using his own voice here. He's not affecting a voice. He's pretty good. James Arnold Taylor. I had the pleasure of interviewing this man. He is amazing with voices, and he... It, It's in the Republic Forces Radio Network archives, but he revealed to me, you know when you hear Ron Howard in Arrested Development? Sometimes it's not Ron Howard. Sometimes it's him. He has also done overdubs for Michael J. Fox and a whole bunch of others. He gives a really good performance to Obi-Wan. Ashley Eckstein. Nice lady. She had done some Disney TV show, I believe, Phil of the Future? Is she Ahsoka? She is Ahsoka. Yes. <laughs> okay. Are you not going to give her a compliment? I hope. I think she is well suited to the role that was written there. <laughs> good. I'm glad you're not going to give it a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I think she is fine. I think the script has some issues. I'm pretty sure she wasn't improvising here. So I think that the cast is good. And you asked if this is a better Anakin than in the movie. Well, I get more out of his voice. If you had Matt Lanter redub all of Hayden Christensen's lines, it might improve things.
2: Just like when you watched it in Spanish, yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, I just say keep it in Spanish all the time. Maybe The Clone Wars is better in Spanish. <laughs> and then there's Tom Kane, another really nice gentleman, a voiceover pro. The more you get to know the real voiceover people, the ones who have been doing it for years, they're, they're just such nice giving people in interviews. And he is Yoda... He is the first person other than Frank Oz to do Yoda theatrically, and he is now the go-to voice for Yoda. If they need Yoda for a toy, whatever, they go to Tom Kane, and he not only is Yoda, he is a lot of characters in this. He's got a great vocal range, including that of the announcer, who opens this movie because kids can't read a scroll. (laughs) Because
2: this is a show for babies. (laughs) And so they got to read it to you. Why doesn't Frank Oz do it? Because you would have to pay him money.
1: Well, (laughs) Lucas pretty much had to... Beg him to come back and lure him in with puppetry for the Phantom Menace to do that. And I hear from autograph collectors he's a little persnickety and he really, really hates anybody asking him to do the Yoda voice. And he had even retired from Muppets by this point. So, no, he was not on the table.
3: Mm, okay.
1: And spoiler alert Sam Jackson and Christopher Lee didn't come back for the series either. <laughs> But the opening isn't bad. I mean, it's got a good vibe to it as it's jumping us into the war. I think it actually does a better way of setting up the Clone Wars than the scroll for Revenge of the Sith did.
2: Yeah, I know they were going for that whole World War II newsreel thing, and something they did at the beginning of every episode of The Clone Wars is had this narration and this montage of the events happening. Actually, not opposed to it. Fine, this is for kids, and okay, they're not going to read. It's what they read to me that's a problem, not that they're going to read it off.
3: So did you guys ever imagine, was it ever established, was it in your head that Jabba the Hutt controlled the <laughs> airways of the entire outer rim.
2: He controls trade routes. I don't understand this. I don't know where this came from. Like, I thought the whole thing was he was a gangster on some outer rim planet that didn't get policed because they were so far out, who cares? The fact that, I don't know, he has spaceships like the Trade Federation, like protecting routes and taxing routes, supposedly? No, this never occurred to me.
1: I would believe that Jabba had space pirates. There have been stories about him contracting pirates and funding pirate operations. So the way I'd view it is they're looking to pay Jabba protection money is what it comes down to.
2: Yeah, but you know what? The mafia, I could be wrong, but I don't think the mafia sees the U.S. Army coming through town and says, hey, let's get them to pay us protection money. Like the fact that the Republic like has to have Jabba on their side to be able to use these routes. I don't think Jabba has that kind of firepower to keep off the Republic.
3: Yeah, I never thought of him as being this dynasty. I never thought of him as having a family and, yeah, I mean, all of this. And I just want to reiterate, he's one of my favorite characters. I really enjoy him in Return of the Jedi. So I should be happy that he's playing a major role here. But it's baffling the part that they're giving him.
1: And this goes back to what I even said with The Phantom Menace, is the shrinking of the universe. In the Clone Wars series, every time they'd introduce another character from the original trilogy, I know some people got excited, but I would be like, all right, how old was he in A New Hope then? I mean, we get Jabba here. Chewbacca would come back. Didn't Bosk come back? Bosk is a major player. Greedo is a major player. That's right. I'm like, how old were all of these people? Were they all like 50? I mean, what is going on here? None of them were children. They were all forces to be reckoned with. I mean, and here we get Jabba the Hutt, who would be a major player here. I get that he is iconic Star Wars from Return of the Jedi. But yeah, he does not seem to be vital in a war effort. If you need drug smuggled, Jabba's your man. Yeah.
2: And it's not even that he's controlling trade routes. It's that this is a plot about the kidnapping of his son. Like, this is Baby's Day Out. This is Baby Genius. <laughs> like, this is the lowest level of children's entertainment when it's about babysitting.
1: And babysitting a sick, hut child named Rhoda, or as Ahsoka calls him, Stinky.
3: Yeah, that's not what you hang a movie on. I'm not even sure that would make a good episode. I know it makes a terrible movie. What does this have to do with the Clone Wars? That was immediately the scratch the record, what's going on here? I thought we were going to get
1: Clone Wars. We do. The first episode is about a battle. And I think that there's some decent action going on in this battle. When the droids are marching and the clones are fighting, they do the shaky cam kind of thing that makes you forget you're watching animation. I think they look wooden, but the faces don't move, but the movement of these characters are smooth. When Anakin is doing flips and lightsaber fights, and clones are doing karate kid-like roundhouse kicks, let me tell you, they look better here than any of the CGI human movements in the prequel trilogy.
2: No, I like the clones here in... A lot of the episodes, I like the clones. They have personality. They are characters in this, and we, you know, we don't get any clones that are like they're going to tag along to make sure Stinky gets back to his daddy. But the fact that these clones, I love when they're like scrap them, and they call them the droids, clinkers. Like they got this lingo. They there is this culture based on these clones around this ward fighting droids that I like. Just like you'd get something in World War II, certain types of lingo's and slang, and I like that aspect of it. I like when there's a war going on in something called the Clone Wars.
3: That was a question I had about Sith, was how much personality are they supposed to have? They have different haircuts, I'll give you that. I'm not sure they have different personalities, but I could tell them apart because they had different hairstyling. So, they're individualized. They're clones with
1: individual tastes and personalities. And I'm trying to avoid discussing the series too much. We're reviewing this movie. But they did go into how clones, as they have more experiences, become more individual. It is... Something that they're just hinting at here that would be explored later.
3: Until you call in Order 66. Then they're all going to
1: obey the same thing. Well, that was the fun part of this whole series. It's wondering, who are they introducing who lives? Who dies in Order 66? They'll, of course, never show us Order 66. A, because this is a kid's cartoon. And B, because they won't step on the toes of the movie. But that was kind of a fun thing here. I mean... Commander Cody was Obi-Wan's right-hand man on Utapau in the last film, and so we get to see him here. The big clone who's introduced here, the one who they make a big deal of in this movie and would go on to be a big deal in the series, is Captain Rex, who has the, like, cat ears on his helmet. He's blonde, yeah. He's kind of... Anakin Skywalker's go-to guy. Anakin would take blue clones into the Jedi temple to kill them all. So it kind of makes sense that his go-to clones were in that blue armor, but only like seven minutes into this movie, we are introduced to our new main character.
2: <laughs> I, I got questions about this. So we're told that there's a new Padawan coming where you made to believe that it's Obi-Wan Anakin is, Is, what, a Jedi Knight at this point?
1: Yes, he has passed the trials.
2: So does that mean he could just be kicked out and not have a partner anymore? I thought it was Masters that would have to be the trainers, but maybe not. I'm I'm not sure how the ranking of the Jedi work.
1: No, I believe Knights had Padawans as well. Was Obi-Wan a master in Attack of the Clones? I believe he was a knight. Okay. He wasn't on the Council. He wasn't a Council Jedi Master until the third film. Padawan
3: or Padawine depends on the short straw you draw here but you know what I am going to give a compliment here and that is they're finally giving girls more to do in this series both the major villainous and the major new character are going to be strong
1: females and I think that's progress for Star Wars kind of i don't know that it's progress that the strong female hero is going to start referring to anakin as sky guy and r2e r2e oh my god i'm watching this in theaters and i'm like wait did she call him sky guy and she keeps
2: calling him sky guy it's stick tinnies she calls some of the droids like can't you just call things by their name
3: yeah, I thought R2 was going to spray her with oil and set her on fire when she called him <laughs> R2-y. Uh, I re-
2: yeah, I remember sitting in the theater. I'm like, what am I watching? Sky guy? I'm like, nope, nope. I wanted to just yell no like and walk out. But I had to watch it for Star Wars Action News. Snips. Is that because she's snippy? Uh,
3: he calls her Snips? Yes. Yeah, okay. he calls
2: her Snippy and then, yeah, shortens it to Snips.
3: Now, I had to know. It was a burning question from the first theatrical viewing. I went and did some research. There was actually like a Star Wars, Clone Wars encyclopedia I got out of the library to look up to find out dead animal or natural part of her head.
2: I remember that being a big question in your review. (laughs) Yeah, you
1: actually just said it was a dead animal, as I recall.
3: I was convinced it was a pelt of some kind, like a raccoon had just been found on the road and she said, (laughs) I'll put this on.
1: I love Outsider's view of Star Wars, but (laughs) admittedly, it does not look like part of her head the way the makeup did on the Togrutas did in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. We did see Shakti. Initially, this was supposed to be the little girl. Remember the younglings in the room with the map and Obi-Wan and Yoda and truly wonderful, the mind of a child? Mm -hmm. There was a Togrutas in there that was supposed to be this one and then... Lucas decided, no, we're going to change it. So we got Ahsoka here. You say strong women. I say
2: put some clothes on. What's with that top? I don't want to slut shame, but you are in a war. <laughs> like, <yeah>. Cover up. <laughs>
1: I just think it's inappropriate to have an underage child, barely not a youngling, dressing this way. Am I a prude?
2: No, no, my wife is very sensitive to this, having two daughters. Like, she doesn't like cartoons where young girls dress sexy. She just doesn't want her daughters feeling like pressure to have to do that.
3: No brats dolls, right?
2: Oh, no, no Monster High, no brats, no. Those are not, not even Barbies in this household.
1: If she was older, I'd be more okay with the outfit. As it is, it's a strange choice for a young, young girl on a cartoon series. But she's got those big Disney eyes. I should have seen the sale of Disney coming when her big (laughs) eyes filled that screen.
3: You know, funny thing is, she's such a creature. I didn't think about her not having any clothes. She didn't seem sexualized to me because I didn't think she was human enough, really.
1: (laughs) With the dead animal on her head? (laughs) Yeah, I
3: don't know what's going on with her. That's some weird fetish for someone. I knew I wouldn't want it around me. In battle or at any other time. I mean...
2: That's my thing, is like... Who watched Attack of the Clones and was like, you know what the best part of that movie is? When Obi-Wan and Anakin are just sniping at each other the whole time at the beginning. Let's have a new character that could do that with Anakin. And they could just fight. And he could call her youngling. She's like, I'm a Padawan. Like, why do we want that dynamic all over again?
3: I will say this. This may be the smartest thing that Yoda has done in the entire prequel <laughs> series, which is to get vengeance, really, on Anakin for being disobedient. You know, this they knew he was the chosen one, and yet nobody really liked him because he wouldn't listen. So you, you teach him discipline by giving him a clone of himself that, you know, he's going to hate her as much as they hate him. So I thought this was shrewd
1: on Yoda's part to assign him this. Well, there's a conversation. About- about it he's not given ahsoka to train obi-wan wasn't sure if anakin could do it yoda's like no he can do it this whole test is yoda being manipulative because he knows anakin doesn't deal well with loss and the whole point is to manipulate anakin to become attached to ahsoka and then rip her off like a band-aid to see what anakin does
3: oh really yes oh i didn't know about that when so when is she, she gonna get ripped off not soon enough six seasons Oh, wow. She
1: stayed through the whole show? Oh, yeah. Oof. Well, well, we'll talk about it after. But, yes, she. the whole point was to introduce her. She is the main character of this series. She was introduced as the focal point character. To me, she's a little bit Wesley Crusher, season one, The Next Generation. But hmm. that was the point, was to have this Mary Sue-like character that kids could identify with, who gets to fight and party with Anakin and Obi-Wan. It's something that kids could relate to at their age range. Lucas is going after the audience who was too young for the prequels, who now want to watch a cartoon with a little bit of action and see an avatar on screen that can represent them and still see Obi-Wan and Anakin for, theoretically, the older audience.
3: And yet, she's still in that tradition of characters that I hated, even when I was the same age as her when I was a kid. I hated Scrappy-Doo. No one liked Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> that's what this is. We have the real Star Wars characters, and then we have this annoying brat version that's kind of unctuously poking her way into the world and ruining the the environment for everyone else.
1: I do like to see her kind of stretching her legs. I mean, I'm I'm stretching to pay a compliment. Sure. <laughs> but... When she's talking to the clones and being like, so technically I'm your commanding officer and all of that. You like that? It's fun to see a Jedi discover their role in the war.
2: Uh, She's being a jerk, just like Anakin was in episode two. Like, I don't know why they want to remind me of that.
3: Well, I get that. I mean, it humbles Anakin. What it what it forces the cartoon to do, but which it can't, at least in this pilot, is suddenly make Anakin have complex feelings and change.
2: And you saw *Revenge of the Sith*. Those aren't going to stick if he ever does develop them. Mm,
3: I mean, he is different. I mean, he's a little different at the beginning of that movie. I'm I'm not sure that Osoka is that reason, but uh, I did sense something had changed him. He just seemed more at ease, really.
1: He got to kill a lot of people. He was going dark side. It worked for
3: him. Yeah, I guess so. And together with his apprentice, they win this little contrived battle where there's some force field growing and they have the brilliant idea of hiding underneath a
1: box or something. Is there no sewer on this planet? Could they not just go underground? Do they have to sit in a box in the middle of the droid pathway? The (laughs) shield does not appear to be stretching only forward. It's Diameter is growing in all directions. Did they have to stand right where the army was going to literally kick their box? Yeah, I
3: mean, Obi-Wan gets in it too. I mean, eventually you just stand there and it will it will envelope you. But I guess the point is no one will notice the box as it's crawling across the open road towards the uh, oh. device that's creating
1: the shield that they want to blow up. I do like what Obi-Wan does here, genuinely, when he's like, okay, we surrender. Now let's negotiate the terms with that alien. And it is just a long stalling tactic and he really gets it to the minutia. It's like a lawyer negotiating a contract. There is humor there that is legitimate. Well, they're both Scottish. <laughs> or neither of them are. I mean, I don't know which way to go with this. Obi-Wan's supposed to be British, and he's voiced here by an American. But it's pretty much an action-packed episode that is here to introduce Ahsoka. This is just to bring us in and say, look, there's a lot of action and here's your new character and they're going to defeat this droid army on this planet that really accomplishes nothing other than to give me a checklist of all the toys I wanted them to make after this. I love the big turret guns. I love the giant spider things. There were so many things I walked out of there going Hasbro make this and eventually they did and I bought four of each.
2: Hmm. Mission accomplished. Good film then. (laughs) I'm sure that's what it was made to do. I I don't care about this opening battle. Like, yeah, there's some neat action, but it doesn't matter. You introduce a really annoying tween. Now we're going to go on to the next episode.
1: Yes. Episode two. And these really were four episodes. This movie says it's directed by Dave Filoni, but that's a little bit of a misnomer as each of these episodes had a different director. Did the other ones call themselves Alan Smithy? <laughs> or do they want the credit for this? I think everybody wants credit for directing, you know? And I think they're all...
2: No, they don't. That's why there's Alan Smithy films.
1: Yeah, not everybody. But I get what you mean. It's better to have your name
3: on a bad film than to have no directing credit. And so, hey, yeah, you produce something that, what, $35 million us dollars audience saw
1: so sure i mean the other thing is this opening episode was made later one thing the clone wars is notorious for is not having a production order that matches a story order so this first episode called the new padawan that really has almost nothing to do with java other than that newsreel at the beginning this was an add-on to introduce ahsoka And it was supposed to be a flashback episode later. We were supposed to just jump into it with Ahsoka. And this infuriates me about the Clone Wars. I'm just going to say Lucas Filoni, whoever was in charge, was not going chronologically. Every week you'd watch an episode and not know when it takes place in relation to other episodes. Just like he did with young Indiana Jones. Lucas pulled the same... Crap Then, where this week, India is 6. This week, India is 18. Why? So, yes, this first episode, we were supposed to jump into it with the next episode, if this had been on television, where, yes, Rhoda the Hutt has been kidnapped, or hutnapped.
3: Yeah, man. There's really not <laughs> much else to say, really. Honestly, it's just kind of one of those things that once this is revealed, I mean, I don't know.
2: that's how i feel like what do you want to say about it like it's dumb
3: yeah i mean i'm sure that really young children would find this cute that's the best compliment you're going to get out of me but i think four or five year olds would like stinky i think they would want to see him go home and they will think that the multiple shots of cutting to his squirming maggoty face will be charming (laughs)
1: I think Stuart just realized that if this was an opening scrawl, it would be Star Wars, episode 2.5, Stinky Go Home.
3: Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is, uh, as much about Stinky as, uh, Phantom Menace was about Jar Jar, really. I mean, he is everything and nothing. He is a MacGuffin. He is, you know, being passed around. Basically, uh, we are to think that he has been kidnapped
1: because, all right, walk me through this. Who kidnapped him? He was kidnapped by the Separatists in conjunction with Zero the Hutt. Yeah. The Separatists are using it to frame the Jedi and turn Jabba against the Jedi so they can't use those space routes. Whereas right. Zero wants Jabba to be distracted and weakened so that Zero can take over some of Jabba's.
2: Operations.
1: Okay, that was the part I couldn't figure out. I guess.
3: Yeah, it's
2: it's weirdly convoluted and complex for a kids' movie. Like, why is all this going on?
3: Well, we'll get to Zero when we get to him. I didn't really understand. I still, I don't. I may never understand Zero the
2: Hut. Well, it's not even just Zero. It's okay. The Separatists kidnap Stinky, and I have a question because. Last time I saw Asajj Ventress, this Sith witch in this, she had fallen down a chasm by the hands of Anakin. He defeated her in that animated Clone Wars cartoon. When did she come back, and how did she live?
1: Ventress is such an interesting thing because she was invented by Gennady Tartakovsky in one of the best episodes of that micro-series. Season one ended with Anakin and a. Asajj Ventress. And the-
2: when Anakin takes her saber and he's holding the red lightsaber, I know mm. that probably doesn't geek you out, Stuart, but oh my gosh, that was chilling.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of those first season episodes didn't get me, but the Asajj Ventress like, trilogy at the end, because it was a multi-episode arc, was amazing. But keep in mind, that series was never supposed to be canonical, but because they made action figures from that series of Assage Ventress and she was such a... Presence. They brought her into the Expanded Universe. Now, the Clone Wars had always a weird relationship with the Expanded Universe, and it let me know what was on the horizon. The Clone Wars did whatever the hell the Clone Wars wanted to do. It would change planets that were fire planets into regular planets. It would change entire creatures' and characters' origins, so now they're 60 years old in A New Hope. But it would also pluck from the EU when it wanted to. They knew they had Dooku. They knew they had Grievous from episode three. They wanted another villain in here. So they went to the EU and the Tartakovsky series and picked up Asajj. Now that whole Tartakovsky series never happened. There was never a planet of Na'vi that Anakin rescued. There was the way that Grievous kidnapped Palpatine. It was not running vertically up a building. And Ventress did not fall off a cliff to her death at Anakin's hand. But... She did become... One of the coolest episodes also was when Asaj became Dooku's apprentice in there. And that has somewhat become canonical and been retold in novels. And so she is Dooku's apprentice. She wants to be a Sith, but she's not really a Sith because Palpatine won't allow that to happen. So she's just kind of their grunt doing these missions with lightsabers and the Force. And bringing her into the Clone Wars series... Is something I really enjoyed because I always liked her from the other Clone Wars series. I have the least amount of venom
3: for her. I, I think that's a compliment I can give it. I Again, it's a it's a strong female character. Not so rare in cartoon movies. Usually cartoons have evil villainesses. And she works in that Cruella de Vil kind of way, I suppose.
2: Yeah, I liked her in the Tarnikovsky series. She's fine here. Again, I, I don't remember much of what happened with her throughout the rest of this series, but it makes sense that she's here with Dooku. I like he's got something going on, and he's not the one running all these schemes. It's, she's the one that has Stinky and the destroyed army that Anakin and Ahsoka are going to go up against at some... what It's a Bormir monk temple, right? We talked about them in Return of the Jedi.
1: Yeah. I mean, apparently Hutts always settle in Bomar monk temples. <laughs> that is the only thing they do. They even have a Bomar monk temple that... Have- Zero took over on Coruscant. But I think this is supposed to be our first hint that there's a Hut conspiracy going on. But I like this fight. I like the vertical fight up the wall. I had seen clips of this at Comic-Con and in trailers. I knew it was coming. And it is actually a pretty inventive battle to be going up and then Anakin steals the staff. And God help me, again, I'm stretching for some compliments here, but I kind of like the camaraderie when they're racing up even though they're still sky guy-ing and snipping and all of that. And Ahsoka has too many one-liners where he's like, I told you to keep up, and then she's behind him with a tank he didn't hear. But at least they're trying new things with a fight that they can do in animation that they could do with CGI, but it would be a lot more expensive.
2: Yeah, I, I do like this too. I like when those walkers start to go vertical. It's kind of a cool visual. Never thought about, you know, think of an ADAC going up the side of a building, but here you go. It, it's a neat battle because, yeah, they, there's that ledge they have to get up and around. So it, it's something different we haven't seen. I guess they don't have any ships, so they can just hover up there and shoot them. It goes on a bit. I guess because these are just individual episodes put together, all these fights seem to go on a bit too long for me though.
1: Oh, it becomes so much noise by the end of this I yeah. agree. When you see so many CGI clones killing CGI droids in this short succession, I mean, this battle, we're only like 40 minutes into this Eternal 100 minute movie we've still got an hour to go and i'm already starting to become numb because we've had very little story we have had setup but no story i still have trouble exactly following what happened to get anakin and ahsoka to this planet of teth and they're just kind of assigned there and obi-wan is assigned to go to tatooine and have a convo with jabba and it's really not much of a mystery. It's not like they had to go to Jabba and do much detecting to find Rhoda. He's in this monastery. As soon as they get to the top of the cliff, they find him. And he's got a cold.
2: Oh, the the fact that he's sick. And yeah, it's just pulling at your heartstrings, isn't it, Stuart?
1: Oh, yeah, it really
3: it's was. not
2: only a baby, but a sick baby.
1: Mm-hmm. So cute. He actually is cute. I will give him that. He is a cute character design. I never thought that I'd find a baby hut to be cute, but sure enough, it's like you've never seen an ugly puppy. A baby animal anything is cute, including a hut. A stinky sick hut? Not so much. Deciding to shove him in a backpack and yank him by the tail out from under a bed? Slight hut child abuse, but... (laughs)
3: But the plan was always that they would have him so that Ventress could secretly photograph them saying bad things about Jabba and then say, see, they were the ones that took him.
2: Yeah, Dooku is with Jabba and is like, see, they, you know, Anakin's like, I hate the Hutts, which makes sense. He used to be a slave to him. But Dooku's like, see, they're actually the ones who stole it. I'm going to get him back for you. And yeah, that's going to help him. I I guess what Jabba's going to join the Separatists?
1: Give them access to the space routes. I mean, I guess he's just holding off.
3: They're on the
2: outer rim. What else? Where else is there to go? What I don't
3: understand, if it's the outer rim, how is that important? Like, I used to think of that as being, like, you know, outer, superfluous, outside of what we care about.
2: The end of the cul-de-sac. You can't go past it.
3: (laughs) You can have Tatooine. It used to be an unimportant planet. Now it's everything in this universe.
1: Well... Apparently, according to the opening, the Separatists control the majority of the Hyperlanes, and so without Jabba's space, Republic forces are stranded and isolated in the Outer Rim.
3: Though they can't get out of the Outer Rim to get back into the real cool part of the universe. Yes. The one that we never see.
1: Whatever. Yes. Okay. I, I, it's told, but it's not stressed. It's not really important. You know what would make this sell? <laughs> is if there was a battle that the clones were losing and if Jabba would let the reinforcements come through, they could win the war or win that battle. And so we saw clones dying, we saw people suffering, maybe bring in a Jedi or two who we might care about from the movies, maybe Yoda, maybe Mace, see them outnumbered, see them fighting. Cut to that versus having Obi-Wan do diplomacy while...
2: (laughs) This battle on Teth goes on forever. Like, they get stinky, and then, you know, they got to get to another ship, and then there's some flying bugs that they're going to jump on, and Asajj is doing stuff. Like, I tuned out. I can't really tell you what happened because I was just staring at the TV board.
3: That's where I broke. I can, I know it because I just suddenly wrote in my notes, just like in mid-thought even. I'm just like, this is so empty! And I just underline, underline, underline. I just, yeah, it really, you realize, I don't know how far we are into the movie, but you realize that you just, I would do anything to make it stop. I would do anything to just walk away. I care nothing about it.
1: The story. And here's the thing, Stuart. I was so jazzed going into this. I was so ready for it. I was having the exact same emotional experience both times I watched this film. It's numbing, it's pointless, there's no character development, there's just CGI action. I feel like there's a video game and I don't have the controller. Yeah,
2: they've set up this whole thing Oh no, Stinky's sick And we gotta make sure he stays healthy Cause Jabba's gonna be mad at us if he gets sick and dies Like, so what do they do? Oh, they go to a medical droid Take two of these and call me in the morning Problem solved! <laughs> There's your, your conflict And the resolution is that easy?
3: Well, on a TV show That probably is okay But for the epic scale of a movie Yeah, I agree It's pretty deflating
1: But, something important happens here, and I use that word very loosely. Anakin and Ahsoka need to escape Teth, and so they find this rundown ship called the Twilight and steal it, and this will be their main ship for the rest of the series.
2: Yeah, why not? It's a piece of crap.
1: Well, there's a reason behind it. Apparently, Dave Filoni was a little bothered that in A New Hope, that Uncle Owen said Anakin was a navigator on a spice freighter. Well, Anakin never navigated a Spice Freighter. Wait, here he steals a Spice Freighter and drives it for several seasons of the show.
2: Obviously, Uncle Owen was lying. He was covering up who Anakin really was. Like, we have to fit that into continuity.
1: They worry about some weird things.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess if we're worrying about stinky, why not worry about the truthfulness of Uncle Owen?
1: Never mind that Yoda was not Obi-Wan's trainer, but Navigator on a Spice Freighter, we need to fix that. I do like to see Asajj Ventress get down with two lightsabers, the fight with Obi-Wan, kind of fun. The fact that she runs away will become a trope of this series. Every bad guy will have a fight, lose and run away, but it's perhaps the best lightsaber fight in this whole movie, which because they're cartoons, isn't saying a whole lot. That's ai I'm going to just get it out there. This is a problem for me. I cannot get excited very often about action with cartoons. Action is something that I think requires people in photorealism, and to see a cartoon falling from a great height, unless it's gorgeously animated or very stylistic, I'm not going to get excited. I guess that's why I never got into anime or any of that.
2: Yet, yeah, animation style does matter. When I talk about Trotkovsky's Clone Wars, I love that episode of Mace Windu when it's just him versus thousands of battle droids. And he's like doing force Kung Fu. Like he'll throw a punch in the air and like, you'll see droids get punched out. Like they thought about that and they had choreography here. Again, we talked about how stiff everything is and it looks stiff. Like I'm not excited by what I'm seeing here. You're saying you like a having two sabers. Oh, they're hooked together. So it's like a double-ended satyr like mall ads. Like, uh, I've seen it before. I don't care.
3: Do you care
1: about Padme?
2: I care about who she's going to meet up with. (laughs) All right.
1: Padme. They find a way to rope Padme into this. Another strong female character, I suppose, because Mm. she's going to be proactive. She meets with the chancellor and she's like, well, she's worried because Anakin is out there in battle and with this hut. So she decides she's going to step in and contact Jabba's uncle. And see, here it was. I thought she was helping C-3PO come out of the closet by taking him to a gay club. Oh, my God. I got to say, this we are, we've just basically glossed over the third episode because it doesn't matter. But
2: <laughs> this fourth episode.
1: We're an hour and 15 <laughs> minutes into this movie and I and Marjorie were just staring at, we were giving each other forlorn glances, we were staring at the screen, we were checking our watches, and then a gay transvestite hut comes on screen, and we just can't take it. I honestly thought, because it was a press screening, is this a joke? Are the Lucas Films reps gonna come out and go- gotcha? Here's the real film. Yeah, how is this honestly part of the Star Wars universe? We just laughed and laughed and laughed and just couldn't stop laughing. Once it came, it couldn't end that they have this hut that talks like this. Later they say that it's supposed to be Truman Capote, but I get gay southerner from designing women.
3: Yeah, well there's not much difference quite frankly, but yeah, I mean, it's a weird many weird choices here. This is a very weird choice here.
2: But you know what? I was falling asleep when I was watching that. Well, when I was watching it this time and when I was watching it in theaters. As soon as Zero came on, like I remember just <laughs> sitting straight up. I had this huge smile on my face. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. How did they not make a Zero the Hut toy? Because I'm like, that's all I wanted to buy. You, you talk about you wanted to buy this ship and this that ship from this movie i wanted to buy a zero the hut figure it has never come out
1: you were not alone and there were so many times i had exclusive interviews with hasbro and i would voice the questions of the people that being when are we getting zero the hut i mean it wouldn't be that hard to do to take a job i wanted
2: it with black light action so like his raver glow-in-the-dark paint would shine and real feathers on him
1: shouldn't be the end of the world to pull off but they did not succeed, <laughs> and we never got our Zero the Hut figure. Much like Jar Jar, I think Zero got an inglamorous end. As Spoiler alert, he was assassinated a couple seasons in. No. Yeah, it was very sad to me. Can you believe they brought him back beyond this? That's the even more surprising part.
2: I couldn't believe they took so long. I remember when they started teasing that Zero was coming back. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not missing this episode.
1: Me too. I was kind of out of the series already. And I'm like, I am coming <laughs> yes. back for
2: <to> Zero. <laughs> Zero is seriously great. Like... It's so bizarre. Honestly, Zero's number one in this series for me. This is like, you know what? You know what Zero is? If David Lynch did do Return of the Jedi, that's what <laughs> Jabba would have been. I
3: don't know. This scene feels like a villain that would be like in a Hut cartoon series. Like if Ewoks and droids had another cartoon series back in the 80s, it probably would have been the the Huts. I could have seen him being the goofy uncle, always causing problems or something. I think it would be fun to follow this family. Maybe like it's fun to follow the Hiltons, you know, like Paris Hilton, and maybe maybe the Huts. I don't know. Maybe they could have made it work. But in this movie, this movie <laughs> we were told was about the Clone <laughs> Wars, <laughs> to wind up in this club with feathers. <laughs> mincing around talking about stealing baby slugs i just can't believe that they would call this clone wars what who are they trying to kid
2: stuart you you wouldn't believe some of the episodes they pulled off <laughs> under the guise of clone wars throughout this year i mean bombad jedi where jar jar had to pretend to play a jedi like jar
3: jar came back oh, oh yeah. yeah oh god wow okay well yeah i just again What you told me and where we are are universes apart. With hyperdrive, I could never get to where we have fallen.
1: Yeah, I just, at that point, could not take this movie seriously anymore (laughs) and just followed along. And Padme, what does she really accomplish here? She discovers that there's a conspiracy, but they already had the Hutling. They already were taking him back. I mean all they really have to do is get the hut to Jabba and be like, "See? We didn't do it." But no, we have to include zero with the feather in his hair. I mean, my god, that character design, the voice, everything about it screams <laughs> wrong, which makes but it it's so right. right. <laughs> Oh, zero, zero, zero. Yeah, it does wake
3: you up. And I do feel like this movie is, I mean, the length is just torturous. I mean, I can't
2: uh,
1: oversell.
3: It's
2: only like an hour and a half, isn't it? Yeah,
3: it is a very short movie, but the feeling of it. A
1: hundred minutes, which is longer than I wanted it to be when oh, I went back to it, it, it this time. It feels
2: so long. Yeah, man. it
3: is It is a deep trudge. And then, like, you know, we literally get them trudging through a desert, like, you're right. Like, why don't they just radio hut, hold up the baby, say, We got the baby, we're coming to bring you the baby. No, we got to make it this perilous trek. Some
2: more lightsaber fights. Yes,
3: and- with more fighting and more
1: delays
3: and more stalling for where we know it's all going to end up.
1: Anakin faces off with Dooku in the Sands of Tatooine. And I, I think it's kind of a cool fight the way Dooku uses sand. But this was going to raise such a headache for people because in Revenge of the Sith, or Anakin says, my powers have doubled since we last met. Well, we thought that was three years ago in Attack of the Clones. Now it's two years ago here. And then they keep meeting. So it's like my powers have doubled since we met last week.
2: <laughs> well, I just remember the weird steps of logics they had to do to avoid Anakin facing off against Grievous because in Revenge of the Sith, that's the first time they meet.
1: Yeah, like literally one was running out of the room while the other ran in. It was comical. And Duca wins, right? He's the one that gets to
3: slash the backpack with a lightsaber. He thinks he's killed Stinky, but no, 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 no. The Padawan has him. She's off on her own. Does Ahsoka get to prove
1: herself? She does get separated. Does she come into her own? Not really. I mean, what she is is... Anakin is a diversionary tactic to fight Dooku, while Ahsoka kind of goes through some droids and gets to Jabba. And I think Padme proves herself more by kicking ass in Zero's club. Well, that wouldn't be hard to do.
2: Yeah, they're already, Anakin gets to Jabba. Ahsoka hasn't made it yet with Stinky. Anakin being Anakin, like, pulls a lightsaber on Jabba, threatens his life. It's Padme that's like, no, look, it's really Zero. It's all his fault.
1: And so the resolution is Weeza being
2: friends,
1: to quote Boss Nass. Padme's hologram says, hey, it's your uncle. And, like, I think Dooku drunk dials Palpatine.
3: (laughs) Yeah, a horrible rendering. Perhaps the most horribly rendered character. I think Palpatine looks worse in this cartoon than he will after he gets transformed by the lightning and the lightsaber of Mace.
2: It's so weird seeing Jabba reunited with Stinky, like... I, I just never thought of Jabba as a dad, and here he is, like, all rejoicing and hugging.
1: To make matters worse, I don't know if this is still the case, because they have wiped out the expanded universe, but let's keep in mind that at this point, Hutts were asexual, so Jabba is both mother and father to Stinky. It, for some reason, makes it even worse for me. <laughs> I'm not sure that's possible. <laughs> so with that... Jacob Stewart, do you recommend the first four episodes of The Clone Wars that was in glamorously released into theaters as a movie? Jacob.
2: There were better episodes they could have tied together <laughs> than this if they wanted a big movie premiere, but they didn't... St- you know, introduce Ahsoka, which I guess was bad, but they could have done better. There were better episodes here. This this is a bad, well, I don't know if it's a bad representation of the series as a whole. That series did more damage to my love of Star Wars than the prequels did. Like, I had to stop watching it because I was starting to actively hate Star Wars because of the stories they were telling. But back to this four-episode movie, I felt more engaged with the Battle of Endor. I felt like I had more to say about the Battle of Endor that Ewok movie than I do with this one because this is big toys being banged up against each other with a bunch of explosions that don't matter and the story that does matter, I don't care about. I don't care about little Stinky being sick and getting back with Daddy Jabba. I like Zero. Like, that has nothing to do with this movie, but I like Zero. Like, he's crazy. But I have so little to say about this, and I actually had thoughts about battle for endor which uh, that was a not recommend so this is definitely a a not recommend
3: yeah you know i've done this once before i think i think everyone knows i didn't enjoy this movie last i hung on a line of dialogue last time it was stinky will live to stink again you know that was sort of my feeling of like yeah it's awful but there'll be more of this and there's there's no stopping it this time i was more taken with the way that ahsoka is trying to like pour the medicine down that baby's mouth and part of it is the animators just can't make that look right but she's like I feel your frustration you'll take this and you'll like it and I'm like yep that is this is exactly <laughs> what this is going to be for a Star Wars fan they are just going to you know just have to lay down and and have this force down their throat or hopefully they can just know that this is not something they want keep going. I mean, I cannot believe that any adult that enjoyed the Star Wars franchise would enjoy seeing it in this state. I mean, this is whoa. I mean, no. You absolutely want... Maybe for your kids, you can walk in the room for five minutes and go, yeah, Jabba, that's cute, and walk out. But you do not want to spend brain cells, manpower to watch this. I know I didn't, and I've done it twice, And God willing, I never will again. I can't imagine sitting through the rest of this movie. But no, the question is, is this the worst it's been? Is it worse than the two Ewoks? Yeah, I'm going to say yes. It's the worst that Star Wars has been.
1: When we started the Star Wars retrospective series, I said that I am a hardcore Star Wars fan, but I labeled myself a discerning one. If I recommended this utter piece of garbage, that would just be a blatant lie that I said in the first one. This film really made me question some things. (laughs) On the one hand, I was a podcaster still in my first years, wanting to grow the podcasting I did, wanting to reach new audiences... So I hung an albatross around my neck called the Republic Forces Radio Network Weekly Podcast. My favorite times were summers when there were no new episodes. My, the way kids dread going back to school, I dreaded, oh, there's a new season coming.
2: Yeah, six seasons, wasn't it? Six.
1: Five on TV. The sixth was Netflix only. Mm. But this movie is, maybe I'm too old but I find it loud, noisy, incoherent, annoying. I can't believe the way it undermines every piece of respect I had for Star Wars characters. I've never felt more pity for R2 than when he's called r 2 e and I've seen him shot by Jawas. (laughs) It really put me in a conundrum as to what to do, given that I love Star Wars, and I have a public platform where I revel in my love for Star Wars to find myself... Faced with such an atrocity to Star Wars. And yet, to see adult fans my age looking at me like I'm the crazy one for not liking it. Wait, no, you're for real?
2: No, I remember getting criticism when we did that roundtable because I was so outspoken. People are like, this is Star Wars and you must, if you love Star Wars, you must love this.
1: Oh my God. You will take your medicine and like it. Yeah,
3: Yeah, yeah, the Emperor has no clothes, people. Come on, that's ridiculous. Why do that to yourself? That's so unhealthy. That is so unhealthy to try and tell yourself this is the same thing as that 1977 movie. I mean, my God. It's not
2: even the
1: same thing as that 1999 movie.
2: It's not even Attack of the Clones.
1: It's not the same thing as that Wilford Brimley movie.
2: Exactly. That was better than this.
1: (laughs) I'm going to agree. This is, and I've seen the holiday special. To me, this is the single least enjoyable piece of Star Wars that is called a movie. Mm.
3: Least enjoyable is key there because uh, that holiday special is probably worse,
1: but we'll, we'll find yeah, out. Exactly. In weeks. But there's something to enjoy. But, but
3: enjoyment
1: con- can come from bad and good sources. Admittedly, Zero the Hut is close to holiday special level awful. And like, if this whole movie had been Zero the Hut story, mm. then this would be major Brown Arrow territory
3: green arrow for me. (laughs) I definitely was hoping B. Arthur would
1: come in and sing a few songs at that club. But no, this is a strong not recommend for the reasons I've articulated. But my penance didn't end with paying Stuart $100. Oh no, there were years of the show. And I remember the attrition. First it was going to be Marjorie, I, and a group of others discussing The Clone Wars.
2: I remember live shows every week.
1: Yeah, it was a completely live (laughs) podcast. I mean, we wanted to be the first ones out there. We were doing it every night, like right after the episode aired. Well, that kind of slowed down. Marjorie finally was like, I'm done. (laughs) She was the first out. Actually, Brock might have been the first out, but Marjorie was out pretty soon too. As they just all said, listen, this is not Star Wars I enjoy. And I had a lot of people come in and say, I enjoy watching this with my kid. Some people did like it for what it is. But let me try to encapsulate my thoughts on the entire Clone Wars series with the caveat that I've missed like five or six episodes here and there and season six. It is wildly uneven. Remember how in the first Ewok movie, Ewoks and humans are playing and everything's happy. And then we come to the next one and they slaughter their family. (laughs) That is how uneven this series was. One week, I kid you not, it's Ahsoka taking younglings on a field trip. I'm not even joking. And then the next week, it's watch these characters you love be slaughtered in horrible ways. I was constantly dumbfounded asking who's the audience for this. Because some episodes were really too intense, I would think, for the youngest of viewers and other episodes like Bombad Jedi could appeal to no one but the youngest of viewers. It would be like a series that parents would have to screen weekly, and if the parents enjoyed it, you couldn't show it to your kid. There was a scene with Asajj Ventress where she kisses a man as she impales him on a lightsaber. <laughs>
3: Some tonal problems. Yeah, I, I can sense that. I sense that in this movie, although it's mostly largely falls on the kiddie side. I, I sense them wanting to, every now and then, try and hold on to the fans that just want action.
1: Yeah, I couldn't figure it out. And there were certain arcs, that were really good, and, like, I wouldn't watch them live. I would DVR it, and then I'd listen to Republic Forces Radio Network, and they'd be like, this was a great arc, and I'd go and watch it. I'd be like, yes, it is, and I'd watch the next show live and be like, oh, God, there it goes.
2: It's gone again. (laughs) It it was like, Like, I I would live-tweet the show just because it was so upsetting. It was just upsetting to me, like, how stupid some of those episodes. I've said this before. The final episode I watched, it was about poisoned juice going out to a school what yeah. yep that is an episode about poison juice and school kids getting sick i don't know what it has to do with the clone wars <laughs> but that was the episode and i just said i'm out tap it out G- goodbye i am
3: convinced that george lucas does not know the definition of the word war i really <laughs> feel like having watched these prequels and all like he just does
1: not want a war He protested Vietnam. He didn't fight (laughs) in it.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I think his pacifism has really hurt the series.
1: But I can give the show some props. It took years. I mean years for this to happen. The first two seasons are pretty much the movie we watched, including the bad animation, Snips, and Sky Guy. Although they started to tone down Snips and Sky Guy pretty quick when the feedback came. Yeah, that
2: went away real fast.
1: They'd already done like 10 or 12 episodes, but then all of a sudden, they're saying it once in a while, and then finally it's Ahsoka and Anakin, or Padawan and Master. They took some corrections based upon feedback, and the animation got so much better. I think it was around season three. They leapt forward.
2: I think I was out by then.
1: They leapt forward in time and they redesigned the character models for everyone. Ahsoka was no longer wearing a rubber band across her top. Instead, she was wearing a full outfit with the ever practical boob window though, like Power Girl.
2: (laughs) That's right, (laughs) that's right, yeah. She matured, she had started to sprout. She needed that window.
1: But the character actually matured as well. They took these characters to interesting places. I could never believe, walking out of this movie, that I would give a rat's ass about Ahsoka. It'd be like telling you, Stuart, hey, guess what? If you stick with this for years, you'll actually have an emotional attachment to Jar Jar and care about his arc. Yeah, it's called brainwashing. <laughs> I was not brainwashed. I was, again, discerning. I dropped out of Republic Forces Radio Network and handed it off to a number of people who then dropped out and handed it off to still more people. <laughs> it really was a war to keep that show on the air. But there were some great episodes. There's one that I really kind of wish we were reviewing what pulled me back in i had stopped watching for a while in 2010 so just a couple years after this i got another press invite to another clone wars movie screening in chicago and it was on a weeknight marjorie and i busted and drove up there for the press screening they had a three episode arc called the savage oppress trilogy and we went I was willing to give it another shot, and this was actually a very interesting episode that was going to air on Cartoon Network early the next year that brings in a new Zabrak. A Zabrak is Darth Maul's species with the tattoos and the horns on the head, and his name was Savage All Alright, maybe not the original name for a villain.
2: Was he a bad guy with that name?
1: He was voiced by Clancy Brown, if you know that actor from Starship Troopers and Carnival and a billion other things. And he was a badass that the Night Sisters turned from your everyday average tribesman into a killing machine. But then at the end of that movie, I mean, it was full of action, it actually had character development, it actually had a point. It was so much better than what we watched. I mean, honestly, watching that would be so much better and almost redemptive of this. And I have no doubt some of the Star Wars action news and especially the Republic Forces Radio Network listeners will be like, why didn't you review this? It was released in theaters for a night. Well, it was a press-only screening of a TV show. Guess what? I also got to go see Ahsoka Takes Four Younglings on a field trip episode in theaters at a celebration, but I don't count it a movie. But it was great. It was undermined a little bit. Spoiler alerts on things to come. When it was revealed, Savage Press is Darth Maul's brother. Now, I thought they meant, like, spiritual brother. No, they mean biological brother. And more, Maul was alive. They brought back Darth Maul, cut in half.
2: Yeah, he had cyber legs, right? From the Infinities issue, or or whatever that one-off was, where they posited what would have happened to him.
1: Yeah, in a... What if type comic, they had said that he could have robot legs. Well, they started off making him a spider, like he had spider legs. It was really kind of strange. But then they gave him more regular robot legs. And he went out on revenge against Palpatine. And I'll tell you, this arc was pretty good. Palpatine? Why would he be mad at Palpatine? Because Palpatine betrayed him and left him to die. And he's also gone a little bit insane. So Savage and Maul... He
3: left him to die. Last time I remember, it was and McGregor cut him in half.
1: Well, we've seen Palpatine could go to planets and bring people back and give them robot parts, but they didn't do it for Maul. Oh, okay. It's actually a really good arc. I, I hate to say it, but it is. And Ahsoka's journey is really good. She eventually leaves the Jedi Order. The question was always, does she live or die at Order 66? Well, we never know when the series ended. But she had left the Jedi Order, so that left a good shot at her survival. Oh, so she's
3: not in the temple when when Anakin goes in there with the lightsaber? Correct.
1: I know, you'd like that special edition.
3: <laughs> I would watch that episode. I would never watch any other episode.
2: Sky Guy, no!
3: <laughs>
1: Clone Wars. But that show, I would tune in for. But... The animation became really good, and I didn't realize how good until I went back and watched this movie again. I was like, wow. They evolved that. They improved it. The stories became better some weeks, but every time I'd watch a great arc, I'd go back the next week and just be slapped in the face. It's like a relationship with a cheating husband who promises he's not going to cheat on you again. He's good for two weeks, and then you come back, and all of a sudden, he's got other people's lipstick on his neck. So... My question that I've struggled with coming to this is would I recommend the Clone Wars series as a whole? Oh, wow. If it's connected to this movie, no. That tells you how much better it got, Stuart. You know what? I would recommend finding the good arcs and watching them, (laughs) but I can't recommend the series on a whole. The destination is not worth the journey, and those first couple years are just so painful that, yeah, I, I had to come to terms with the fact that not liking the Clone Wars doesn't make me not a Star Wars fan. It just I had to look at it. Do I watch every kid's cartoon for every property I enjoy? Hell no. And this became one of them to the point that I have not seen an episode of Rebels. That is the new series. You see, it was kind of a relief to me when Disney bought Lucasfilm, one of their very first acts, they announced a new movie was coming. But like the next day, they announced the Clone Wars was canceled. I mean, first of all, keep in mind, Warner Brothers animation, kind of the enemy of Disney animation. So now that they own Lucasfilm, they sever that tie hard. But second, they were already planning a new series that would tie into the original trilogy because they're going to try to make everyone forget about prequels and Clone Wars and everything so that they can lead up to their new movie.
2: Yeah, I never went back to Rebels. I remember watching a sneak preview and I'm like, nope. I'm good. That that Clone Wars cartoon did enough damage to my Star Wars psyche. I will skip that.
3: Yeah, I saw like five minutes of it. I'm like, oh God, no. I'll
1: tell you, I didn't watch any of it because I know it's not fair to blame one man for a series failure, but the face of Clone Wars was Dave Filoni. And every time something fans didn't like happened on the series, Dave would come out and go, yeah, I didn't like it either, but it was George. And I'm like, I don't know if it's true or not, but... It felt like not taking responsibility. It felt like <laughs> passing the buck. And if you are the creative director of the series, can't you say no once in a while? Can't you? Maybe not. Maybe that is career suicide.
2: Not to the maker.
1: Uh, maybe. But when I heard they were doing a new series, I was interested. When I found out it was still Felony behind it, I had a theory and I'm like, this is going to become the Clone Wars part two. We ended with Ahsoka leaving the temple. I just knew coming in, Ahsoka would be back. Other characters would be back. God,
2: how right I was.
1: Ahsoka returns. Oh, wow.
2: In Rebels? Yep. Isn't that like right before New Hope?
1: Yep. She is an adult. She has survived Order 66. And she's kind of neutral in the Empire Rebellion faction, though she, of course, is a good guy who sides more rebel, but she's not signed on to the cause.
2: So what did Republic Forces Radio have to say about the series?
1: As a producer whose time has been more and more taken by now playing and who enjoys watching a variety of films versus a cartoon, I decided we would not watch Rebels, and several of the people on it have gone on to do a show called Rebels Roundtable, and I listen to it and I enjoy hearing their conversations.
2: Okay, so they did continue.
1: They did continue. Without my participation, but with my blessing and support. And I happily advertise them and say you should check them out. They watch Rebels, so we don't have to. It's at StarWarsReport.com. It's the Rebels Roundtable. A bunch of my friends are on it. I love hearing their conversations. But I will say, I've only watched half of the first episode of Rebels. I'm going to change that, though. I'm going to go back And I will watch at least all of the first season. I feel like I should do that, because that series was made with The Force Awakens firmly in mind.
3: So you think there'll be ties? I mean, what do we know about... I guess I'm still relatively spoiler-free on what we're getting next week. I'm excited. Again, I repeat, after watching Clone Wars, I'd be happy to watch an Ewoks reunion. I mean anything's going to be better than this but I, I've had a good feeling ever since that teaser
2: and like I said with Revenge of the Sith as a George Lucas atheist I, I believe the less he's involved I don't believe he could bring anything good I feel magic here I feel something's awakening I'm intrigued by it I think it could be a, a, a great Star Wars entry into the franchise
1: I'm going into it with an open mind <laughs> I have no idea what to expect I have no idea what to expect I'll tell you, I will see it at least twice before we record. I will have a day or two in between to ruminate on it.
3: You get excited, like, Insidious 3. I'm excited to see what they're going to do. But Star Wars Episode 7 is like, meh. We'll see how it is. But there's
2: stakes to this for him, Stuart. Like, he's got a whole collection. Like, if this bombs, if he hates it, like, what happens to the collection? Like, this is a major life decision.
3: Yeah, that is a good question. Could they make a Star Wars film so bad that you'd want to sell your collection?
1: No. Nothing will sully my love for those first six films. But I have decided that the Clone Wars cartoon series.
0: It
2: tested that theory.
1: (laughs) Is not my Star Wars. It is somebody else's Star Wars to enjoy, not mine. So, will Episode 7 be my Star Wars? Or, again, a friend of mine, Steve Sansweet, is the owner of the world's largest Star Wars collection. And when I asked him about Episode 7, he said he will focus his collecting on the Lucas era of Star Wars. And this is not the Lucas era of Star Wars. So, I think the reason I'm not as excited is, A, they've been a little cagey. They, You know, their advertising campaign has been pretty much, Hey, Star Wars is back, and you like Star Wars, so come see this movie. Okay, give me more. And second of all, I don't know if what they're going to give me is my Star Wars. They're going out of their way to tell me it's my Star Wars. They're bringing back actors who used to be in my Star Wars, and they're quoting lines from my Star Wars, but... Crystal Skull wasn't my indie, so I'm going in with an open mind. And I, may- I would never sell my collection, or at least key parts of it. I can never say I'll keep every piece because I am paring it down for space reasons. But nothing has the ability to sully my love of those first six films. And yes, I include the prequels.
2: And that's how I feel about those first three, so.
1: (laughs) But we'll be back with that next week, and I'll tell you, I mean, I am excited to see it. I am excited for the conversation. I just, I don't know what to expect.
3: That's good. I think that's uh much needed, uh, unlike uh, three movies that we just watched four really, I suppose, where we kind of knew where it was all heading. Yeah, it's new territory. And I think that it's a chance for Star Wars to be expansive again, to give us new things and go to different places.
1: Oh, it's going to expand. It's going to expand this year and next year and the year after that and the year after that. I think there's five films in various stages of production and more planned. zero the hat, one of them we can only pray
2: <laughs> fingers crossed
1: but man i mean you complain about how many superhero movies we do if disney keeps going i mean now playing will just be the superhero jedi show because we'll be doing a weekend of release every week i hope they're good and listeners you tell us what you think of them come to our forums and leave us your thoughts and Tell us how upset you are if you're a Star Wars fan and none of us recommended The Clone Wars. (laughs) Or tell us if you agree with us. Are we the vocal minority? I, I feel like I am among my Star Wars peeps, but let me know if I am with you. And then, also don't forget, our donation series continues. This week, we conclude the Kill Bill duology, Kill Bill Volume 2, as we just keep going through the Tarantino films leading up to Hateful Eight. Or if you're a younger listener and you like more pg-13 rated fare and the clone wars cartoon we also have our silver level donation where you get the hunger game series all pg-13 plus a couple of hard r films called battle royale but you don't have to listen to those if you don't want you can just donate ten dollars or more
3: <laughs> i'm not sure how i feel about comparing hunger games to what we just watched but yeah okay they're both pg-13
1: well actually this was pg but yes they're both not r And they both feature strong female protagonists. And they both have flamboyant costumes. This had zero and that has everybody. But you can hear all of that with our silver level donation. And of course, there's the platinum level donation where next week, gold level donors hear our review of Death Proof, the Quentin Tarantino film. But platinum donors hear our review of the whole Grindhouse experience, including Death Proof. So you can find out all the details how to donate by clicking the banner at the top of nowplayingpodcast.com. So, Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. Stewart, I'm glad you were able to suffer through this film a second time unscathed. Mm,
3: I didn't, wouldn't say unscathed,
1: but I'll, uh, I'll walk again. At least you stayed awake. <laughs> and until next time, the podcast will be with you. Always.
0: Troops are Retreat! Retreat! Thank you for listening to this episode of the now-playing Star Wars retrospective series. No! No more discussions! We hope you've enjoyed the show. Good shot, buddy. You've been holding out on me. If you like Star Wars, join Arnie and Marjorie at SWActionNews.com for Star Wars Action News, a podcast dedicated to Star Wars toys, books, games, and more. You never would have made it as Obi-Wan's Padawan, but you might make it as mine. And come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review. Shall we continue? My pleasure. In the archives at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can find hundreds of in-depth movie reviews, including every film in the Star Trek, Terminator, 2001, Back to the Future, Batman, and James Bond film series.
1: Okay, fine. There's so much more we can talk about out here. Like,
0: the sand. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at NowPlayingPodcast.com. A very wise Jedi once said nothing happens by accident. It is the will of the Force that you are at my side. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can share your opinions of these films with the hosts and other listeners. We'll figure out a way. Come on, Master, let's go. You can also follow now Playing on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Would this be a good time to teach you that a Jedi is humble, my young Padawan?
1: Sorry, just trying to keep the boys inspired is all.
0: Now Playing is an independent podcast with no sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to help keep the show going.
1: You're in trouble! I knew it!
0: You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. We will not let you down.
3: I am most thankful.
0: You can also help out Now Playing by leaving us a 5-star review on iTunes. Come on, master, it doesn't sound that hard. A link to Now Playing's iTunes listing can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. Are you willing?
3: All right, Snips. I'll trust you on this one.
0: You can show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. A link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. I like the sound of that. Now Playing is edited by Arnie. My Jedi training didn't prepare me for this. What are we gonna do? Now Playing Credit Narration by Brock. I don't see why you won't just listen to me. Now Playing is not affiliated with Lucasfilm, 20th Century Fox, or Disney. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is the intellectual property and trademark of Lucasfilm Limited, and no infringement is intended. I can't imagine he will be merciful. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media, Incorporated. (laughs) Is that true, sir? (laughs) Well, most of it. Now Playing is a Venganza Media Production, copyright 2015. All rights reserved and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated.
1: His fever broke. I think he's gonna live to stink another day.
0: Great. Keeping him alive wasn't as easy as you'd hoped, was it?
1: Master, if you've taught me one thing, it's that nothing is easy when you're around. Yeah, and I went into this, I had interviewed Dave Filoni, the director. I got one of, a. I got an exclusive interview with him three weeks before this movie. I was so jazzed. Uh Anakin reluctantly takes the girl. (laughs) Anakin reluctantly agrees to teach the girl after she grows on him during their first battle with the droids. Or as Siri put it, the first battle with Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) It's
3: a cool David Bowie song. Uh-huh. And yet, she's still in that tradition of characters that I hated, even when I was the same age as her. When I was a kid, I hated Scrappy Doo. No one liked Scrappy Doo. <laughs> I love Scrappy Doo.
1: <laughs> Let me at him. I'll scrap him. I, I love. Are you serious?
3: Is this I'm the beginning serious. of our difference in a taste? <laughs> Is you are a Scrappy Doo fan? I was a Scrappy-Doo oh, fan my. as a child. That might be the most distressing thing, most distressing <laughs> opinion you've ever expressed.
1: When my, when my Chihuahua was alive and he was a little vicious thing, I'd always call him Scrappy-Doo because he was too small to do any damage, but he'd want to. I'm just going to use that on you. Every time that you say an outrageous <laughs> thing, I'm like, yeah,
3: well, you like Scrappy-Doo. When
1: I was six. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.
2: Hey, Why? that's how you do when you're just doing just doing just doing jazz impersonations.
1: Wow, well, you hear that Kendrick? too? <laughs> that was so perfect because you were talking about jazz. That's how you do it. Do it. Do it. Do it when you do jazz, jazz, jazz person, impersonations. Impers, yeah,
3: you got really Tippi uh, and Raquing there. I now sell me
1: some Coke. <laughs> Not cocaine either. I mean, like new Coke. <laughs>
3: Oh, okay, I didn't know what you were talking about. I'm yeah, like, I'm like oh, I know it's Jesus late, day but late. come on, honey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>